that gospel. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because a false brethren bought in, who came in privately despite our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we give place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it make it no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But counterwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectively in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, same which I also was forward to do. So we see here in verse 1 that Paul and Barnabas and Titus made a trip. Last week we looked at that and called it back to Jerusalem. They're going back to Jerusalem. Now the apostles didn't send for Paul, not at all. Paul, I think, probably had had enough of the Judaizers and was going to go up to Jerusalem and get this thing straightened out. Because the Judaizers were constantly pestering the churches in Galatia and bringing insecurity among believers by saying, you must be circumcised as well as believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Well, we know from studying the gospel, and, and mostly, though, more so, from the Holy Spirit revealing it to us, right? Because without him revealing it to us, we wouldn't even know this truth. That salvation in Christ includes absolutely nothing by man. Nothing we do. No man or woman is saved by anything we do along with Christ's finished work. The reason we call it the finished work of Christ is because it's finished. There's nothing to be added to it at all. Nothing at all. And he felt led by the Holy Spirit of God to go and talk privately to those who were the apostles. I'm going to straighten it out right with the ones who, who, uh, who were with Christ. Men of great esteem and reputation. And this, the issue of this epistle is we're going to study this epistle. We're going to see that the issue of this epistle is that salvation is by grace alone plus nothing. That we are justified in Christ. We're made holy before God in Christ. So it's a rebuttal. It's Paul writing to the Galatians. And remember, this is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. 
So the true author is not Paul, right? Even though he's writing to his dear brethren, the true author is the Holy Spirit of God. Always remember that when we're studying Scripture, no matter where we are. Always remember that the true author is the Holy Spirit of God. These men are holy men who, who, who God, the Holy Spirit, inspired to write these words down. They were moved by the Holy Ghost to pen these words. And so the theme of the, the epistle is grace. Salvation is holy by grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. It does not require the keeping of the ceremonial law in any way. In any way. And if salvation were by anything but grace, then what Paul say? He said, my ministry is in vain. It's in vain then. Because Paul preached all grace. He preached like Jonah proclaimed, salvation's of the Lord. That's what he preached. So if, if there's anything to do with the ceremonial law, then his preaching's in vain. And Paul was a preacher ordained by God. All of God's preachers are ordained by God and sent by God to the places where they preach. And we only have one message. We have that gospel, which actually in the Greek where it says that gospel in our translation, in the Greek literal Bible it is the gospel. There's a singularity to it. Even here there is that gospel. There's no other gospel that's a true gospel except what Paul is preaching. And he was sent to preach. And, and what a great honor it is for God's preachers to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation in and through Christ alone. But we preachers cannot reveal the gospel to you. No. Just as someone couldn't reveal it to us. The Holy Spirit must reveal it. So the preaching of the word, you, you and I are encouraged by the preaching of the gospel because of what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. And we rejoice, don't we? We love to hear about our Savior. That's who we, we come to church. We don't come to church to hear how to be a better Christian because we all know that we're the chief of sinners. How are, you, how are you a better Christian if you're the chief of sinners? <laughs> Norm Wells says, I was a better Christian when I was in religion than I am now in grace. I know what he means. I know exactly what he means. I came out of that stuff too. My, oh my. So it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take the things of Christ and to teach us the things of Christ, reveal them to his chosen blood-bought children, all those who Christ has redeemed by his precious, precious blood. And, and God's already spent the, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry out, a Father. Oh, we cry that out to our King. And it pleases God to manifest his life-given power to his elect who come under the preaching of the gospel. That's why... That's why we rejoice when the gospel goes out into the whole world. We don't know what God's doing to it, with it, but we know God, God's promises that that word won't return unto him void, will it? He's going to use it to accomplish his will and purpose. Well, praise be to God. So we can rejoice, beloved. We can rejoice. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of, may be of God and not of us. We, we have been stripped of, of any thought 
that salvation be, could be accomplished by anything we do. And when them grave clothes start falling off us, because they do, we still got grave clothes on, beloved. We still got grave clothes. When they fall off, it's so liberating and so freeing. Oh my. I'm free in Christ. I'm still learning what that is about. I don't think I'm ever going to come to a full attainment of what that's about. I don't think we ever will. But, but the little bit we know, oh, praise God. All our sins are forgiven, beloved. The wrath of God is gone that was against us. One day we're going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. My. Me? Such an undeserving, unmerited sinner? Yep. By the grace of God. And you too, if you're a believer too. Isn't that wonderful? Because it pleased God to do so. Oh, my. Let's just marvel at that. In Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, these words give us the reason for Paul's visit to Jerusalem. It says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's another gospel. That's another gospel. You see what they did? They said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So something the man does, you've got to do this thing that a man does in order to be saved. Well, praise God that our king finished it all. There's nothing left for us to do. And if there was something we'd have to do, we'd mess it up. We'd mess it up, beloved. Oh. So it says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small, small dissension and dispute with them, so they, they went toe-to-toe with them. They determined that Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Well, let's go take it. Let's go take it up to the apostles. And that, if the count is referring to that, what took place at church in Antioch, is some self-righteous Jews who professed to be believers, were insisting that no one could be saved unless they were circumcised. Well, you know, it still happens today, right? There's a group, a church group out there that says, you must be baptized to be saved. And you know what? There's one fellow in that group who writes all kinds of books. He writes all kinds of books. can't even remember what his name is. He writes all kinds of books, though, and professing believers read his books and say, oh, that's such a wonderful book. Man preaches another gospel. Do you, we, we ought to do our homework, aren't we? Why would I want to read something, anything someone writes who's preaching another gospel? Seventh-day Adventist. You must, you must go to church on Sunday. Or Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday. That's another gospel, beloved. Roman Catholics, if you're not in this church, you're not saved. That's another gospel. My poor mom was terrified to leave the Catholic church. I kept telling her, get out of that, mama. Get out of that. She was terrified. She believed salvation was in the church. There's no salvation in the church. Salvation's only in Christ and him alone. Only in Christ and him alone. 
And Paul and Barnabas, they knew these men were wrong. They knew it. They knew these men were wrong. They got into the strong debate. We, I just read to you there in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. They got into the strong debate with them. So they were sent by God to Jerusalem to bring this matter before the rest of the apostles and the elders who were faithful preachers of God's sovereign grace and salvation in and through Christ alone. And the truth, now the truth is confirmed by, by uh, two or three witnesses, right? Or by one or two witnesses. And this may be the reason why Paul and, and Titus went up with Paul. Or Barnabas, boy, I am, I am all over the board today. This is, I've got to slow down because I'm talking too fast and I get too excited here. This is why, this is why uh, I, I think maybe Barnabas and Titus went up with Paul because here's two witnesses going up with him. So he's not just going up by himself. He's going up with two witnesses who have heard his preaching and who preach the same gospel that he does. So we already know that Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, again, in chapter 1, had wrote that this gospel that these Judaizers preached was a perversion of the one true gospel. And he says, let them be a curse, which is, that, that's anathema. That's, that's just, my, no hope for them, folks. My goodness. And Barnabas was a well-known minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the other apostles in Jerusalem had heard of him. Titus was a Gentile believer who had been given the gift of preaching. He had not been circumcised, but he was a true witness of the saving grace of God in his life. He was born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He'd given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like we are. Same faith we have was given to Titus. Isn't that amazing? Think of that, too. The same faith we have was given to Paul and Peter. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They're just men like us. They're gifted men. They've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to, to preach, and they had the amazing privilege and honor of seeing Christ face to face. Oh, my goodness. But the testimonies of these three men would not only establish the truth in respect to Christ putting an end to the Old Testament covenant of works under the Mosaic economy, but also their faith in Christ could not be denied by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. Let's look at verses Two here in Galatians chapter 2. This is where we'll be. Paul writes, And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should not run or had run in vain. We see here in this first portion here of the scripture that Paul goes up to Jerusalem by revelation because this serious matter needs to be addressed. These Judaizers had crept in, and, and they, were, they were causing trouble in the Galatian churches. Remember, the Galatian church wasn't just one. There was many. There was many. It was written to the churches in Galatia. And this, this matter had to be addressed. And the truth of the, of the one true gospel needed to be confirmed. Needed to be confirmed for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul had a revelation that he should go. And what that means is the Holy Spirit gave him a strong impulse from within that this was God's will. Now, 
I'll tell you what. You talk to some people in religion. I've noticed this. They use this phrase and they say, well, God told me to do it. Remember, in this, remember when we were kids? There was that Batman show. Remember when they had that red phone that glowed when the commissioner was calling? or when? I wonder if these people have a, one of them red phones to God. Because they're always saying, well, God told me to do this. One lady we know, she claims that God told her to go move and buy another house over to Lapeer. And I said, I had to, I had to talk to a, a fellow waitress of her just to tell her that that's not how God communicates. He doesn't communicate to us in an audible voice. I said, that wasn't God that was talking to her. That was something, but that wasn't God. Let me tell you that. My, oh, my. And many, many folks in religion I hear use this language. It's usually charismatic folks. They use that, and often many times they use that. They say, well, God told me to do this, or God told me to do that. You know, we should ask them, well, how, how does that work? How does that work? Does God talk to you in an audible voice, or... No, I, I, if they're led and there's an impression on them, I can, I can go, I can go, you know. Because people say, well, how did you know to come to, to Alma? I said, well, the Lord just led me here. I just, the Holy Spirit led me here. Just knew it was right. The first time I came, I knew it was right. I felt an instant connection with all of you. Right away. Just knew it was right. Just had to wait a little while, didn't we? Right? That's all. In God's timing. So, I often wonder if these folks got that hotline, that bat phone. I said to Vicki, what if you get the wrong number? Right? Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh. You know how God speaks to his people? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his word, beloved. And in the Old Testament, he spoke... Literally to some of the Bible characters, right? Adam. But do you know who that was that spoke to him? It was Christ, yeah. When, when the captain of the Lord's host appeared to Joshua, you know who that was? That was Christ. When the sojourner appeared to Abraham, that was Christ, beloved. That was Christ. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. And here, we're going to see here from a New Testament perspective, right, of how God now speaks to his people. Do you know that everything God has to say to us is in this book? Who's this book all about? It's a hymn book, isn't it? It's all about Christ. That's, this whole book from beginning to end is all about Christ. It's all about him. Look at this in Hebrews. Look at this. Hebrews, starting in, in verse 1. Look at this. Here's what the scriptures declare. God, who at sundry times, in dime, uh, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, sorry, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times, in divers' manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by who? By his son. By his son. He speaks to us through his word, beloved whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who is the brightness of his glory and the express image 
of his person, upholding all things. Look at this. Oh, look at this. By upholding all things by the word of his power. Remember, we saw that he has all power on Wednesday night. He's got all power, right? Look at this. When he had by himself, by himself, beloved, he did it all by himself, purged our sins. They're gone. Hallelujah. They're gone, beloved. Look at that. Purge our sins. What did he do after that? Sat down on the right hand of majesty on high being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. But note, so if we get folks saying, you know, God spoke to us, God, God did this, God did that, you know, told me, told me to do this. Told, it, it, it gets ridiculous after a while, some of the things you hear. It really is. Some of them are so outrightly false that you can just, but, but there's, see, Satan's subtle too. He's subtle. He's subtle. Look at this. Hath in the, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. He speaks to us through Christ. He speaks to us through his word. It's the Holy Spirit taking the scriptures and applying them to our hearts and filling us with joy. Filling, we don't hear an audible voice, do we? But we know when we're being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And we pray, God, now, now this is, if you're uncertain that it's God leading you to do something, you know what you say? Pray what I pray every time before I get in this pulpit. God, don't lead me anywhere where you don't go before me. Don't let me go anywhere. You can apply this to our whole lives. Don't let me go anywhere where you don't go before me. Because I don't want to be out of his... Do you want to be out of his will? No. We don't want to be, do we? No, 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 no. Oh, my. So look here again. It says... He went up by revelation and communicated. Now, the word communicated there, these three men, they got up to Jerusalem and they communicated unto the apostles the gospel. You know what that means? They declared it. They declared to them the gospel. What a better way of showing them that they preached the, the one true gospel than declaring to them the gospel. Oh, could you imagine Peter and them Amen. He preaches the same gospel we do. Oh, that'd be so exciting. We gospel preachers, we get excited when we hear about someone preaching the gospel. It's exciting. Preachers ain't in competition with one another. Not at all. We, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. We preach the gospel to whoever God puts in, in, in our hearing. And we rejoice. We rejoice. My. It's wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. We're going to have a couple men in three months. I think I'm looking forward to it. Three months, we're going to have two men come up to us, come, come here, and they're going to declare the gospel to us. I'll be sitting in the pew right there. I'm going to be just soaking it up like you all. It'll be wonderful, won't it? That's my time to tank up too, eh? So I love it. That's, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear these men come up and and, and just proclaim three messages each to us. Oh, it's going to be one. I wish it was six, but I don't want to wear them out. So, but, um, oh, my. It's wonderful. And Paul didn't ask them if what he preached was the truth. He just declared it to them. He didn't say, well, did I preach the gospel? He knew he preached the gospel. So the scriptures say here, he went up and declared it to them. 
they didn't sit down and, and uh, well, what's your doctrine? And, and uh, what confession do you conform to? And what's this and what's that? No, he just declared the gospel to them. Salvation's in Christ alone. Plus nothing. Christ obtained eternal salvation for us. Oh, I bet you our, our dear brothers, the apostles, I bet you they were rejoicing. I bet you they were rejoicing. In chapter 1, we learn that, the, that man had not taught Paul this gospel. Man had not taught Paul this gospel. No, he was personally taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. And what, what happened? God's power had accompanied, he, it had accompanied him being taught by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? It's God's power that accompanies the preacher. If one's sent by God, it's not in my own strength, and it's not in Donnie's own strength, it's not in Norm's own strength. It's only by the power of God. If you hear my words, they're useless. Right? I can't save anyone. But God takes our words, and as, as Donnie says, I like this, somewhere between you and I, sister, he takes those words and blesses your heart. Isn't that amazing? God does that. God does that. Oh, my. What a privilege. And what a privilege for we who preach the gospel. Because we know, we know that no man taught us this, this gospel. We may have heard it preached by a man. But just like every other believer. See, like I said, there's no little, there's no little preacher mound at the foot of the cross. You know, remember these, there's a pitcher's mound, a little wee hump there? I love what dear brother Scott Richardson said, Travis, who you sat under. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We are all on the same ground, beloved. Every one of us. Every one of us. Oh, it's amazing. So man had not taught him this. He'd been preaching this for 17 years now. He'd been preaching this gospel before he went up to Jerusalem. 17 years. And the Holy Spirit had made it effectual, hadn't he? All these churches had been established. But who were, who were the ones in those churches? God's, God's chosen people. They had heard the gospel, and by the holy power of the Holy Spirit of God, they were granted faith to believe. They were born again, the Holy Spirit of God, and then given faith to believe. My. So when Paul met with these church leaders, I love this. He just declared to them the gospel. He just declared it. This is what I preach. <laughs> he wasn't ashamed. He said before in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He just let it fly, didn't he? It's awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. And listen to this verse in the Greek literal Bible. I decided to pull this out of the Greek literal Bible and read it to, to us. It says, now I went up according to a revelation, a revelation, so God sent them there, and set before them the gospel. See, in a little Greek, literal Greek, it's called the gospel. Because you know why? There's only one. Just like Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by him. There's only one way. And so he's declaring here that there's only one gospel. Now man is totally taken and added man's works and all that. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. He says, and set before them the gospel, so he declared that I 
proclaim among the Gentiles, but apart individually to those esteemed, lest hardly I might be running or have run in vain. What is the one true gospel? Turn, if you would, to First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm sorry. What is the one true gospel? Turn to First Corinthians 15. Look at this. We'll read verses 1 to 11. Look at this. Paul again writes these words to the Corinthian church. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Again, singular, the gospel. Which I preached unto you. And which also you have received. And wherein you stand. There were some things going on in the Corinthian church. And, and Paul's writing to them to correct these things. And Paul always writes in love to the brethren. If you get a chance on your own time, read, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And be amazed because Paul, what does Paul do before he does any correction? You know what he does? You read 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1 and notice how many times Paul mentions the word Christ. Before he does any correction, what's he do? Like Norm Wells says, he takes the musical tuning fork and he goes, ting. So he sets before them Christ. That whole first chapter, he just sets before them Christ. Because that's what is most needed. And then he, then he goes to correct them. But he corrects them in love. But first of all, before anything, he sets the king before them. He sets the king. Because why? We need to keep our eyes on Christ. So he, before he corrects them, he sets their eyes on Christ. And I'll tell you what. People with their eyes set on Christ, we'll receive correction then from God, won't we? Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will. When we're in our flesh, we're like, right? Because that's how we are. That, I, I, I know it. That's how we are. We could dig our heels in. But look at this. And then he says, by which also ye are saved. Look at that. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So there he lays out the gospel. Our Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross, and we are his people, so that we would be forgiven. It's an absolute, perfect, complete, finished work. Well, what mercy. What mercy is displayed. God sent his own son to die for us. Sent his own son to die for us. Oh, my. Let us wonder at this and marvel at this truth. Then he says here in verse 4, And he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. Our magnificent Savior rose from the grave. He rose from the grave for our justification. Wonder of wonders, Christ has redeemed us from all our sins by the shedding of his blood, and then he rose again the third day. It says, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am, that am not meant to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, look at this, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly 
than all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. By the power of God, they believed. So he preached on the, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now let's go back to verse 2. I just got quickly a few things to say about this here. It says, And I went up by revelation and communicated or declared unto them the gospel, that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Note here that Paul tells the Galatian brethren that he meant privately with the apostles. He meant privately with the apostles, those who were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. He didn't go call the church together. He didn't call the whole church together. Paul didn't give an opportunity for, for a big debate. He went right to the apostles. He had a private conversation with God's preachers. Those reparable men who were pillars in the church were grounded and established in the truth. And an open, discuss, an open discussion with false brethren would have allowed the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ to, to sow discord among the brethren. Paul's like, I ain't having any of that. I ain't having any of that. And why? Because that could have caused a setback in Paul's ministry, right? Not only amongst the churches that had been established under his preaching, but also in the ministry that was set before him. And these false, false teachers, false brethren, had insinuated that Paul's doctrine was different from that of the apostles in Jerusalem. But they themselves were the ones who had perverted the gospel. by saying that a, a, a man must be circumcised to be saved, trying to overthrow the faith of those who had believed the gospel. They tried to render his past labors in vain, and they sought to prevent his future usefulness. But, beloved, God's will will not be stopped by any man. No man. Therefore, we should not bring an accusation against one of God's preachers or against any of God's children without one or two witnesses to confirm the charge or charges. And the accusation is to be brought to the individual privately. Privately. That's how we do it. That's the Matthew principle, right? You bring it, you have a problem with your brethren, you bring it to him privately first. That doesn't work. You go get another member of the church and you go together with them. And if that doesn't work, then you bring it to the church. See, there's a whole system. There's a whole system set forth by God. And usually, I'll tell you what, usually when you bring a problem to another believer, a true believer, it'll get settled privately. It'll get settled privately. And those who disregard God's divine order in these matters are almost always those who are false accusers of the brethren. That's what they are. That's what they are. May God be glorified by the preaching of his word.